Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, good evening, Draft Nation. This is JT. We got special guests here tonight. Uh, as you see in the background, it's a little bit hard to see right now, but if you get on Amazon, we just got done writing a 2024 Pittsburgh Pirates minor league uh, guide, uh, basically the top 50 prospects. There it is right there, top 50 prospects. And we, we actually run off 25 more at the end of the book as well. So we got the 75 uh, prospects in the book. Uh, me and Jeff. And his name is Jeff Reed for all you Pittsburgh fans. And I know, Jeff, you have to hear this joke a gazillion times, especially in Pittsburgh. But this isn't mm-hmm. the kicker, Jeff Reed. This isn't nope. that left-handed catcher for the uh, Montreal Expos, who I remember growing up, uh, Jeff Reed. This is Jeff Reed who grew up in Cranberry Township here in Pittsburgh. He's now in New Orleans, so I can't, can't, can't blame him for that, man. I mean, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's fun and all that, but ain't as fun as New Orleans. I'm sure, I'm sure of that. Jeff, welcome aboard. Uh, we're on the clock right now with Pittsburgh Pirates Talk. My first question, I, I ask everybody this. And by the way, if you want, want to get this book, get on Amazon. Uh, type in Pirates Minor League 2024 book. I'm telling you, it's a great, it's a great book for the cost. Uh, it's something you can keep next to you all year long, especially you guys. I got the Minor League Baseball package. You're watching a Minor League game. Uh, take a look at what we're talking about with the guys and, and follow through on the year and we're, are we always going to be right? No, our top 50 won't be right. But I guarantee there'll be a lot of information that you could use during the season that will um, help you guys get through the season. Um, here's a question I ask everybody, Jeff, as they come on, especially it's last year. We do everything draft here, draft nation, draft 412 here in Pittsburgh. Paul Skeens or Dylan Cruz, before the, the pick was made, what what were you thinking as a Pirate fan? What did you want to see, honestly? What would um... you well, especially as a Pirates fan, well, I guess first off, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. 
I'm no like, real excited about doing this book. It was a lot of fun. It was fun. Um, don't no, nobody yell at me if I'm wrong about anything, but you know, <laughs> me too. So um, I got ten guys in there. Yeah, yeah. And then um, so um, I was personally um, pro cruise. I, I've been I was pretty much pro cruise for like three years straight. Um, <clears throat> and then obviously being in Louisiana, you know, I get a lot of the LSU games and. I mean, from the get-go, watching Paul Skeens, like, game one, it was just like, wow, this guy's definitely different. Um, but throughout the season, my, my feelings were kind of that, A, and again, you can tell from our book, you can see from Baseball America's rankings and, like, all the other publications, it's a system that was pretty pitcher-heavy as it, as it is. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the progression of, like, Solomito – Chandler, Jones, all those guys, Harrington, I felt pretty confident in the uh, pitching depth they had. Now, what I didn't feel confident in was their hitting. And I think if you look at the team right now, a lot of their premier hitting prospects are in the majors right now. And then once you get you know down to the minors, you see a huge gap. And to me, having a huge gap – isn't especially if they're entering their window. I mean, Tamar looks like he's going to skyrocket pretty quickly the way he's playing, but it would have been nice to have some more hitters in this system. Plus, and then it's funny saying this in itself, that when we look at Ortiz, Rwanzi, Quinn, and some of the other pitchers, their development of these high-end pitching prospects, or at least at some point we're top 100, hasn't been that great. So I would have preferred to have the better all-around hitting prospect straight into the system than another pitcher who – that's a much deeper conversation probably, but with like uh, schemes that talk about his fastball. But I feel would feel more confident having a top hitting prospect than a pitching prospect. I couldn't, agree with you. I, I couldn't agree with you more. We were writing articles up until the, the, the day of the draft. I, I said that it's got to be Dylan Cruz. Um, you get a guy that plays as hard as he does. I didn't get to see him play live. I got to see him on TV a ton. Play, mm-hmm. To me, a guy that plays 150 games and can hit 270, 25 homers. This is just, this is low ball lumbers. Like, I think he could start off like this. And like 100 ribbons. Center field. Yep. Stealing bags. Exactly. I, I – I understand pitching wins and I understand you got to have pitching to win in, in the major league level. And I understand that Skeens, Skeens is ridiculously sick. I mean, mm-hmm. I watched every inning he threw last year in the minor league games and his ball, his ball's almost impossible to pick up. Like it just drops. It just, it's just one of them, one of them pitchers you watch it. You can just tell, you can tell from a camera that it's, it's nasty. Um, mm-hmm. But I so agree with you. And I, we had this back and forth a bunch of times on these podcasts that, you just can't give up a guy, especially in our organization. You mentioned it already. All our hitters are basically, besides Tamar Johnson, are basically Henry Davis. The guys that are, are supposed to be hitters are basically up here now. Uh, the outfielders that we got are still question marks in our organization. I mean, Lonnie White could be potentially good. We have him in the top 10. He could be good. Matt Gorski's getting to be that older prospect. It's, you know, um, a couple of other guys that we, we caught up last year that I had a little bit of maybe glimmer of hope for. They didn't work out. Cal Mitchell and um, Najiba. He's back now, Najiba, for like, but the fourth mm-hmm. time now. Um, but I just thought this was a guarantee. But I guess the second part of this question is, 
do you think this was Scott Boris motivated? When it comes down to so. it, do you, you don't think it had nothing to do with the at least especially when it comes to the draft. I, I really can't see it being Scott Boris um motivated just because I mean, what's he gonna do? Ask for thirteen million, but also I mean, because then he's gonna scoff at the pirates and then make Cruz go play his senior year or go make him play indie ball or something or make him go to Korea like uh who was it Carter Stewart I don't I wouldn't see that happening and then he, plus there he, was a rumor that it went out like maybe maybe about a within a month of the, of the draft do you remember the rumor that supposedly Cruz said eh, like I don't want to go to Pittsburgh. I was like the rumor. I was, it was in a Pittsburgh paper. We don't want to, you don't want to come to Pittsburgh on a kind of yeah. thing. I don't know if it was just thrown out there kind of thing. But um, to me, it makes, it makes it even stranger for me that a guy would be a teammate with somebody and make that comment where, mm-hmm. you know, your teammates could be the one that's, that gets stuck there. So I, I don't believe that rumor was really 100%. Uh, I don't either. Truth, but I still think, though, I mean, I'm hoping they don't. I mean, I'm hoping Skeen's does better than what Garrett Cole did in his time here. And it becomes, it's a great pick. We're like, Oh my gosh. But, yeah. but then again, I, I mean, mean, there's, there's, there's a couple of things and that I'll be specifically paying attention to when it comes to schemes. Um, Cause one of the things I would mention to a couple of people is, you know, they talk about his plus command. Cause again, going a little into the fastball, um, you know, the, there's talk about his fastball having some poor shape to it, but he throws it 9900 miles an hour which you know that kind of lessens the need for perfect shape because you know mm-hmm. it's also kind of hard to have perfect shape you know when you're throwing that hard but also the thing I'll be paying the most attention to will be his command cuz I know people I mean striking out guys in college ball when you're throwing 9900 101 it's Got a lot of the guy kids aren't seeing that often. So you're going against a team like Tulane, like they did. I, I think it was a regional game. Those kids are lucky if they're seeing someone throwing 92. So that's, true. Mm-hmm. that's definitely I mean, true. Command a lot of times, command isn't a key proponent to succeed for someone like him with his stuff because he, he's just going to blow it past hitters regardless. So he's just so, trying to break down the heart of the plate. Basically, he's just throwing heat down the part of the plate, not looking to hit yeah. the corners or. So I, I, I agree with that too. Yeah. I was like, cause there, there, I still remember there was a hitter um, in baseball America. They, they did like a, uh, like second, third round or later round picks. And they had projected this hitter. I want to this catcher. I want to say from Davidson to the pirates. And one of the things that stuck out to me was that said in like 1,082 pitches, he saw something like that. He only saw 10 pitches of 95 or higher in his entire oh, collegiate wow. career. I was like, that's that's crazy. I might have saw more than that my uh my legion year here in, in Baldwin. I mean mm-hmm. I played against Matt Clement and a couple of them them big boys back in mm. back in ninety-two. So that, that that makes sense because and and to get back to your one part about the shaping, you're talking about you're talking something different than what I'm thinking. Cause I, I played I played against Matt Clement. I, I hit I hit Matt Clement really well. He threw 92, 90, 92, 95 in that range back then. Didn't have a curveball yet. But mm-hmm. threw a fastball that didn't move. It was as straight as an arrow. Is that what you're talking right. about by shape? It just as, like a like almost like a flat, the flatness to it. Is that what you're saying with with his? Ball well, and that's or? right. I guess the the term has been kind of meshing um, in that the better fastballs, so like a Spencer Strider, a Garrett Cole, they have you know carry on them, 
So yeah. it looks like a rising fastball. Mm-hmm. Um or in some it's flatter, you know. So really you would the connotation of flat kind of used to be a negative, but now it's kind of become a positive to where you want it you want it as flat as possible, basically. Like you want uh, it to look like it's rising. Cause the eye to a hitter, they're yeah. expecting the ball to kind of drop. But so they're if it's rising, they're gonna swing under it basically or pop it up. <clears throat> that Whereas, makes sense. Yeah, the, the the vertical approach angle, it, it has to do with uh, the vertical break. How what induced vertical break? If it's relatively equal to the horizontal break, it's on a path that's much easier for hitters to kind of see, essentially. And that, that's, that's why someone. Fun. The funniest part about this whole thing is we're talking about this like the hitter. The hitter has a, a blink, a blink of an eye that the decide on this, but it, it makes a mm-hmm. big. It's amazing the difference it makes, and just, and, and I agree with you about guys that, guys that don't see it very often. I mean, honestly, if you're playing against 89, 90, people are like, oh, it's ninety. Who cares? That's fast. I'm like, there's a big difference between ninety five and ninety. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't think that because I mean, you hear like seventy or sixty five, like a younger kid's age, it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. But ninety five is its own. It's its own horse, man. I mean, it's like you're you're literally and then, yeah, and then. And then you can get to talk about things like extension to where, you know, there's guys, there's a huge difference between a guy that's got like a 5.7 foot extension and a guy that's got mm-hmm. seven and a half. That's an extra two feet towards the plate that they're releasing that the ball. Falls on top of you. It's heavy. It's yeah. just, it's just hard, hard to hit. You made a good point earlier about the, um about like one of the negatives about taking schemes was the way we, the organization hasn't been top notch with bringing bringing pitchers through the organization. I give them credit on Keller. They gave them, they had patience at least. I mean, um, mm-hmm. I've seen other prospects like Keller where after two seasons, like he had two and a half seasons, like he had, they're done with them. They're done. They, they, they gave mm-hmm. the kid a chance to define himself, which is good. And I'm hoping Contreras is in that same boat because <clears throat> Contreras two years ago to me was looked phenomenal. His ball, mm-hmm. his ball looked like it was moving. It was, I think last year, like he, he started off so bad, it's like a mental thing. And I watched him in the first exhibition game this year. He got hit a little bit. He didn't get hit hard. They got they got, he got up two runs, but off the end of the back kind of hits kind of thing. But I believe he could still be all right. But I want to talk about a guy like Garrett Cole, who, and I know this has a lot to do with the pitching coach at the time. Um, the rumor was that he told pitch to contact, pitch to contact. He mm-hmm. leaves Pittsburgh and strikes out what? 300 270 280 guys a, a year with the Yankees and looks like a totally different like a dominant pitcher again you know mm-hmm. and and do you think that philosophy in the organization has changed under Sherrington and that I, I know it was like a it was the pitching coach it was the pitching coach and and mm-hmm. there was a hurdle kind of like hey we're pitching a contact and you know it, it looked good for the free agents we signed at the time I mean we made Jay Happ a ton of money we, yeah. we made Ed, we made Edison Volquez look good. I mean, it works for them guys, but for a rookie like like um, I guess the rumor is that he went to Houston and his first time he threw a pitch, like first inning he threw, they're like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Throwing throwing the contact." They're like, "Dude, you throw 98, 99 miles an hour, throw the ball by the guys," mm-hmm. and it's just like it was a total mental state. Do you think that's changed in the organization? I, I do think it has. Um, I think they are looking into more things like actual pitch shape, which anybody who read the Nesbitt article, um, <clears throat> there was specifically mentioned, I think in the Harahan quote about pitch, uh, them focusing on things like pitch shape and everything. Mm-hmm. Although I would personally question how much they are focusing on that. Cause there's some pitches with, with their pitch shape is 
really questionable, but I, I do think they're focusing on it more. Um, and that that's one of the funny things too with Garrett Cole because yeah, they were telling him to throw sinkers and two seamers, and it just wasn't a great pitch for him. Mm-mm. And he goes goes to another organization. They're like, you need to throw more sliders and ditch the sinker. But the other thing too, I, I think I think he credited Verlander with helping him. But if you look at like the vertical break on his fastball, it used to be something like 14, 14 and a half inches vertical break on his four seam. He went to Houston and all of a sudden it's 12, 12 inches. So he took off two inches of vertical break, which then that gets back into that talk about carry. Mm-hmm. So now he's got more ride on it, more carry, and guys are just whiffing on it. And that, that's crazy. That, yeah. Like what you're talking about, just the whole, what baseball has to go by nowadays. I mean, I'm, 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 I grew up, I was born in 74. I grew up in the 80s. I'm used to like, hey, all we talked about was homers, RBIs, doubles. And mm-hmm. I had the guy had, the guy had 45 doubles. He's, I remember that back in the day. I and mean, back then it was guys had 90 stolen bases. That was like the, that was the, 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 the big fad back then with the guy, Vince Coleman and Tim Raines and all them. Mm-hmm. Um, who's the prospect? Maybe you wrote about him or maybe you didn't, but who's the prospect that's not up in the majors right now? that you're most excited to see his first game in Pittsburgh? Like, is, is it Paul Skeens? Is it, is it a Tamar Johnson? Or is it somebody that we're not even mentioning? Is it somebody that you just, you know, you really, really, um, really enjoy watching this guy and really think this guy's going to be something exciting in the, in the major league baseball? Uh, I'm going to, I think I'm going to two part it. Um, one, I don't know if he'll see it this year, maybe both, but uh, one, one I did write about Thomas Harrington, um, cause he's one of those guys that he's a, he's a, he is a data darling. <clears throat> and, um, I think his stuff took a real huge jump when he went to Greensboro. And I think it'd be nice if he was, it'd be nice if Greensboro or Altoona had, uh, tracking. Unfortunately they don't, uh, so we could see, but you know, just once he got to Greensboro, he just started missing more bats and it just watching him pitch. It was just like, this guy is probably. He has more upside than I think he was originally given. Mm-hmm. And then, and especially after his first appearance in spring training, I'm actually very excited to see how Braxton Ashcraft season goes. That's a good because I know, like uh, me, me and Anthony Murphy, you know, another writer on the book, yeah. um, mm-hmm. we talked about him a lot last year, like watching him in Altoona. And granted, his stamina wasn't really where you would want it to be, but he was just coming back from Tommy John. He hadn't pitched and a handful of years, but just especially coming back from Tommy John, like the command he had and he just, his, his three pitches of his fastball curve and slider that all could be above average to plus like, and he was just putting the pitches wherever he wanted. So I, I want to, I mean, he's a big, te- he's a big Texan. So hopefully he's got that stamina <laughs> built back up and uh big kid. And if he can hold his velo for, I mean, five six innings. I think, I think he could be really good. I'll tell you one guy, and he's years away. He just got drafted last year. Um, but I, I watched basically probably ninety percent of his games down the stretch after he got drafted. Was Mitch Jeb? Um, he was drafted out of Michigan State as a second baseman, so to speak. But supposedly could mm. be eventually could be our center fielder. And I'll tell you what, man, like. I know, I know. Um, even other guys have told me too. Like, 
he's a college hitter that that goes down in like single way. You're 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 basically ahead of you're ahead of the you're ahead of the mm-hmm. the, pitch, the pitching. You, you've already faced some Big Ten pitching. But I'll tell you what, this kid hits everything, has speed. Um, I'm excited about him, and, and the, the, one of the reasons I'm excited is because he's an outfielder. Eventually, he could be an outfielder, and this organization, as we spoke about, does not seem to be concerned about their outfield positions. I mean, no. I mean, we're that close. I mean, I'm not saying we're close, but our division's winnable. I, I think our division's winnable. I don't think there's a team that's like, wow. I mean, you know, the Cubs brought mm. back Bellinger, and the Cardinals do their things, but they 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 struggled last year. The Brewers. Um, pretty much sold off Corbin Burns and a couple other guys. They're getting younger. They have a lot of great talent too coming up. But to go into the season with a guy like Palacios, pop maybe being one of your outfielders or or just not like, not not paying attention to like a spot like that being open. I thought Olivares was a good a good a good signing. I or, you know mm-hmm. I thought I thought it made sense. But still, I mean Reynolds. It just the outfield just to me in Pittsburgh like. Anytime we've ever won in Pittsburgh, we've had we've had afterwards. I mean, it's just way mm-hmm. thin. I mean, and it just drives me nuts that this organization doesn't seem like. I heard Tommy Pham rumors, and I was like getting a little pumped about maybe. Hey, Tommy Pham for a year. He's that kind of guy. He's not too old. Maybe he comes in and, but he's he's still out there as a free agent. But I, what I mean, is that just a? Are we not? Am I overlooking guys? Or is our is our outfield and our first base depth that bad right now in the organization? Or is it just me? No, I'd, I'd say it's probably that bad right now. Um, I'm at first base. We even have any. I mean, I'll, I don't know if we have a prospect really at first base that's considered a prospect, like a, a guy that's going to, you know, come up and do anything. Yeah, not really. I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, they signed a lot of first be- first base type bodies just as minor league free agents and Jake mm-hmm. Lamb and Seth Beer. Um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, they would let go Mason Martin. Um, Malcolm Nunez had a bad year. Um, I guess we'll, we'll see where he's at this year. I mean, which he's someone that maybe they can even put back down in Altoona. But, um, I think, um, the hope is, and he's someone that pr- probably could move quickly, but like someone like a Garrett Forrester, if, yeah, from um, Oregon State, he's, he's a guy that has great, great contact skills. He mm-hmm. hits the ball hard. Unfortunately, it's not one of those guys that, you know, he needs to get more under it, a little more launch angle on him. But the power is there. Um, contact – I want to say he had something like an 80% or better zone contact rating. Like he, he can bat the ball. So Yeah, I wrote about him. I think I was, I was one of the guys that I wrote in the book. And he, he – um, you're right. He's, he's Right now he's a, he's a pure doubles hitter. He's a guy that's going to gap the ball. He's going to hit mm-hmm. the ball hard. But he, like you said, he – doesn't show the power right now, but he has the power. It's just the, like you said, getting that launch angle to go up. He wasn't a real big uh, college uh, home run hitter either. Just a guy, that, but like you said, he don't strike. Doesn't strike out. I think um, he might even had a year. Uh, I think I did his high school stats. I think he, one of them guys that struck out like four times in high school or something in yeah. years or whatever. But, but um, I agree with you, Dara. I just, I just think that getting back to the, the root of this whole thing, I just think if you get Dylan Cruz. We still have the arms in our organization. You just mentioned like four of them that I mean, we didn't even mention Jared Jones has come back and that kid, that kid's gonna be I think that kid's gonna be a beast. He has a chance to be something special. Yeah. Um and all these kids are in triple A and double A this year too. So that's what I mean, like that's the other question I got for you for a guy that watches the pirates all the time. And and we we are a conservative organization. We know how conservative we are. When does Paul Skeen see PNC Park, in your opinion? 
24 or is it going to be 25 early in the year? I, I, th- I think he'll see 24. Um, I do think, as I kind of detailed, at least in terms of um, curious of where his command's going to be in terms of facing professional hitters now. Because if, if he's not blowing 9,900, you're, you're not going to just blow that past professional hitters because they've seen it before, you know? Mm-hmm. So if he if he has the command, as they talk about, where he like he pitches on both sides of the rubber and he's putting it wherever he wants, I mean, he might force his way up earlier. I mean, probably still not before Super 2, which that would be unfortunate, but kind of funny. If he would come up in Super Two, dominate so much that he uh, won rook, got top two rookie of the year, because then he'd get a full year of service and no PPI pick because he wouldn't qualify. It would be kind of funny, but <clears throat> if if he if he's not necessarily is bad or struggles, I could see them using that as a way to be like, oh, he still got something, he still got stuff to work on, he still got stuff to work on, and maybe wait until like September to where he can't get those 45 days as well as he won't reach 50.1 innings pitched. And so he can maintain rookie status into 2025 and then starts opening a roster and he's, he can win rookie of the year PPI pick and everything next year. That makes, that makes, that makes total sense to me. Not that you say it like that. That's um, the way we're conservative anyways. I mean, they, I don't think he, I don't, people are like, Oh, June, July. I, I don't see that because if he comes up and, Starts throwing one, two hitters, striking out 12, 13 guys a game. They, yeah. they ain't gonna send, they can't send them down with that. The fans will go, will yeah. go uh, nuts on that. And I think one you... of the good things, well, just real quick, I was gonna say the other good thing is too, is because of all the upper level pitching depth, is they that probably gives them a little leeway. Because yeah, I mean, definitely. unless Skeens has a 0.5 ERA and no one's touching them, I mean, you got Bubbles, although Bubba and Solo. Skeens will probably debut before them. It, it's likely, but I mean, you still have, you know, they still get got a handle. And see what Rowanzi has, Priester, Ortiz, and then Jared Jones. I mean, maybe they even will call up like a again Thomas Harrington first, just because he's not Paul Skeens if he's pitching well. So I think there's going to be a little bit of leeway to where there's guys with enough hype and interest. To where they can call those guys up and it won't it'll deter people from being like no it has to be skeins now i that makes that makes that makes a lot of sense i could see them uh i, I could see about three or four of the guys that we we wrote about in the top 30 40 getting called up at some point during the season um mm-hmm. before we get in the last question the one question i have for you a guy like jared triolo does he get lost in this organization, or do you, like why? Why wouldn't they give him a chance to to be the first baseman instead of going out and blowing that money on a Telez and maybe, I mean, I, I, his bat last year impressed me. I know he get a hit. He's not going to mm-hmm. hit twenty homers. Don't get me that, but but he'll hit. I, I think he's a Never perfect know. 280, 280 three hundred guy easily. The way he makes contact and mm-hmm. good glove. I mean, he's playing first base basically as a just a fill-in kind of thing. You give him a full year of it, or I think he becomes a a dynamite first baseman. That's the kind of thing that sort of bothers me about the organization. You have guys that you have a guy like Triolo who's you're gonna put him put he's probably gonna make the roster. We agree with that, right? Mm-hmm. He's gonna be he's gonna be your backup third baseman, could play a little bit of second, not uh, in that first base. So 
I just don't get why they blow money on a on a Telez like that. Unless, and I know what the reason is. If if Telez <laughs> does well, we do bad. Guess what happens? We get, you know, we get a um mm-hmm. a top twenty twenty five prospect in in uh during the trade deadline. So I understand yeah. that that uh, way of things. But the last question I have for you, uh, Jeff, where do you got the P- Pirates win win wise this year? This is a tough year to to put. Oof. Oof. Did they hit the 500 mark this year? Oh, man. So, like that's, that's before, just... the, the vision ain't that great. It ain't that great. It's not. Yeah, I know. I And then, and that's a – I mean, I know I, I've said it a handful of times, and even the guys on uh, NS9 podcast, they've talked about it a handful of times. Or It's just – it's such a variance to me. Like I'm like, man, I'm like, man, you know, honestly, they could win 90 games or they could lose 90 games. Oh, I, I agree. It's just – so like a guy like a guy like Contreras bounces back that you're not expecting. That's huge. You know, a guy yeah. like um, if Brian Reynolds gets back to his but two or three years ago when he was everything he hit was on, on yeah. rocket and that's another huge if, thing. If if, if, if Cruz Ra- doesn't show rust and yeah. if Hayes if Hayes's second half surge is real, if Piguero um hits and plays the defense he's been playing in spring training if jack sawinski cuts into some of his strike uh his whiff rate but <laughs> while hitting 30 bombs i think all might have a big part too and what what happens yeah. with that team i think he's a guy that if you look at his stats he's almost like one of them guys that are like right on the verge of having a, a, a nice season um i think once he gets his full a full set of games underneath him I think he could be a big part of that team. I have him at like 77. I have trouble going over 77. I'd love to. I'm, I'm a homer. I'd love to say 89, 90. Right, and... right. Yeah, it, it just it feels like somewhere in the, like the 75, 78 range is probably where they're land. Because it, it's it is a shame because like the divisions for the taking our division might be one of the better younger divisions. Like we got Ali mm. De La Cruz and Cincinnati. You got that uh, that Jackson Triorios trios coming up for uh, Milwaukee. He's He's supposed to be a, a, a phenomenal, phenomenal prospect. You got you got some young, you got some youth everywhere. Mason Wynn in St. Louis. Um, mm-hmm. So our division's for the taking right now. I mean, if if any one of them teams come out hot, I mean, I don't think if you look at the lineup one through nine, there's a team that like you're like, oh, that team should win every game. It should beat should right. beat that team every game. I think the Pirates are right there. And like you said, if O'Neill Cruz is a 25 homer guy, 260 average, plays a good shortstop, boom, I'll, I'll take it. If Cabrian Hayes that second half he went from what two hitting in the two ten two teens to two sixty nine or whatever if he keeps it up for a full season that's that's scary man well and Ed, I think a lot too is going to come down to I mean obviously we, obviously we know what Hayes is he he's a Gold Glove winner if Pagaro is playing the type of defense he's been playing in spring so far which he has in him he's a very talented athletic kid. He actually kind of had the same problems uh, Cruz did at shortstop, where you know he can make the play, but a lot of times he would just maybe do an extra crow hop or just mm. try and do something too flashy and then throw a ball away. But if he can play solid defense, Cruz can at least be average. All the guys in the outfit can be average because I mean, obviously, it's it's a very pitch to contact heavy rotation. So there's going to be a lot of balls in play. So they're going to need the defense to back them up. I agree so, with that 100. And and I'll tell that you, that going to be huge. I'm going to about 35 pirate games last year. I'm going to tell you what, Piguero, when he hits a baseball, 
it's a different sound. This kid hits a baseball. It's a he hits a baseball hard. Like his home. Mm-hmm. He, I was there for a home run last year. He hit. It was the loudest pop I've ever heard in my life. Like it was one of the things where walking with somebody, I heard it turned around. I knew it was gone. Like it's gone. Like I just didn't mm-hmm. have to look at just the sound it made. His bat really. I mean, yeah, but I think he had seven homers last year in the, in the limited time he was there. I think he has a chance to really. Mm-hmm. I think him and Cruz could be a, a, a middle infield pair to both hit 20, 20 or plus homers if they get a, a mm-hmm. full season with, 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 with it underneath them. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I think they got a nice mix of righties, lefties. They got a their lineup ain't that bad. I know I a lot of homers say that every year going into the season, but I actually don't think it's that bad. And I think you made the point mm-hmm. like if if Sawinski just shows. People don't realize once he's still a young kid, man. That kid never played triple A. Uh, for a kid like that, that wasn't he was a, a good prospect, but he wasn't a top top prospect, and he didn't he missed right. triple A. So he missed a whole a whole level of. I mean, there's a bats. I can I, I can almost tell you on his first swing. I'm like, ah, he's done. Like you know, it's like look, just look and say. Last year you could say mm-hmm. he's done. Guy's gonna throw him two more sliders, and and he's gonna he's gonna be out or. Or he'll throw him a slider and just hit him a fastball right down the middle of the play because he's he's afraid to swing at a, a at a slider again. But yeah, I think if he improves, if he improves, if you got Cruz back for a full season, let, let's let's not forget that that's huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy played what ten games last year or whatever he did, and we still went on that little bit of a run without him until we until we hit the wall. But and then I guess the other thing that makes me happy about this team is our second half last year was amazing. Like as as a team, we. We played really well as a team, and and that we were young. We were about as young as you could be in that second half. But we they they find ways to win. I think that'll go a long way this year once the um, you know, once the roster's set and everything's going. Mm-hmm. But Jeff, thank you so much for your time, Jeff. I would love to have you on um at bits and times during the season. Um, sure. Uh, especially like you know when Altoona gets going, they sort of. I, I try to go to about ten Altoona games. Um. I wish I could go to Indy again. I'm going to Indy tomorrow for the combine. I wish I could get down to Indy, but Indy's a, a long drive for a minor league game from here. It's like six hours. So, oh really? Yeah, it's like That's five. Solid. Yeah, five to six. But Altoona's <laughs> perfect for me. Altoona's like a two-hour drive. Got a couple of buddies that live there. It's a, it's a good time. Altoona's a Altoona's a good ballpark. You ever go to Altoona? Nah, nah, nah. Unfortunately, they took my my uh, minor league team away in New Orleans. So. The closest, though, I mean, it's not too far, but actually, uh, Biloxi would probably be the closest. I thought you had the new, you had the New Orleans, the New Orleans monolith team, huh? The, yeah, they used to. Who was that for? The uh, Marlins. That's right, the Marlins. They got rid of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, uh, it moved to it moved to Wichita, I think, in 2019. Okay, yeah, I know that, that whole team. I'm I'm bad when it comes to like um what minor league teams are left and I'm bad like just like I am trying to follow college football right now who's in what conference is just in standing mm-hmm. in me but but Jeff thank you so much for your time we will definitely have you back on uh, either draft four one two the local for Pittsburgh or or on our draft nation where we just talk about uh, baseball in general the whole league I yeah. know you're a you're a huge baseball fan guys this is Jeff <laughs> Reed you, Jeff let people know how they can find you on uh, Twitter. Twitter X or uh, well, my, my, my Twitter handle is at Nola Jeffy N O L A J E F F Y. Um, then there's also uh, the our sub stack Bucks on Deck that I, I'm on with uh, Wilbur and Anthony Murphy, who were both a part, part of the of book. Our writers. Uh, Ethan, yeah, Ethan, you know, everyone's favorite financial guru, uh, mm-hmm. write some pieces for us here and there. Um, so yeah, all right, guys, and here's the book again draft. Draft Nation brings you the 2024 Pittsburgh Pirates Minor League Guide. And I'm telling you what, if you're a Pirate fan that loves 
prospect. Go Young Bucks. Oh, that's awesome, man. <clears throat> young Bucks. Get, get this book. Watch a game. Read what we say. If we're wrong, we're wrong. We're right, we're right. I guarantee our 50 will be off. But, hey, next I thought next year when we do it again, just the, the 50 will change and we'll uh, we'll go from there. But, Jeff, thanks, thanks for your time. Enjoy your weekend in New Orleans. I'm envious, man. I I got to get there one time before I go. I, I got to. Got to do one time. Uh, I mean, Mar- Mardi Gras is like four weeks long every year, so you, you ain't got to come on Fat Tuesday. You just got <laughs> There's like four weekends. I'm still. I've been married 26 years. I don't know if I'll make it to 27 though. If I come, that'd be the bad thing. So <laughs> I know. I know down there, it's like, it's like, it's like walking down Southside here at, when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, and the bars are letting out. It's just. It's got to be a. It's got to be a crazy thing to be down there. But, but oh, thank yeah, you well, so much. Yeah, appreciate it. No, I pre- I appreciate your time too, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys.